Clever Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vero, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Level Up Latina podcast. Today, we are in the studio with Ana Inye Conte. She is our special guest today, and Anna is a financial planner and founder of Dare to Dream Financial Planning. Anna has an MBA and CFP, and that's a certified financial planner for any of you who don't know what CFP stands for. Her firm provides financial planning services to millennial women of color who want to live bold and make a lasting impact on their family tree. Her mission is to provide more financial education to black and brown communities, and as a Latina, She feels strongly about helping all of us level up, and her way of contributing is through financial empowerment. That's definitely her bread and butter. We are excited to have you, Anna, because as Latinas and women of color, we are always looking to level up our finances and make smart money choices. So we need women like you out there to help guide us. So welcome today. How are you feeling? I'm good, Vero. Thank you so much for the kind introduction, and thanks for having me. We are very excited to have you speak and throw some knowledge at us because I, we know that as Latinas or just women of color, it's very hard to have our family or our mothers, for example, speak to us about mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the things that we don't talk about. It's money and sex always. Yes. But money, most importantly, is one of those things where it's like, hey, you know, we know we have it. It comes and goes, but and it gets us things, but we just don't know much more about it when we're growing up. So before we get started on that, can you give us a little bit more about yourself? We know you're based out of DC, but you're a native New Yorker. So tell us about your background and your upbringing. Yeah. So I am half Puerto Rican, half Gambian. So I'm a first generation American. And, you know, I grew up in New York City and really like, you guys know this, I think my parents were were really educated, but they didn't talk. They didn't know much about money, right? So, like, they made a lot of money mistakes, and so we just ended up having a ton of financial anxiety and real stress around money. And like, you know, the messaging. I think also because my mom's side of the family, in particular, I spent most of my childhood with them, and they came from like very poor roots, right? And so for me, it was you know, money was like stuff we don't have, like we don't have money, there's never enough money. And like, the only way to get money is to like really pinch pennies and like really live in this like austere way. And so, you know, that was a lot of my messaging. But um, I, I, I loved my childhood, despite all of that, like I had the best life. And I also feel like the fact that I had these more humble beginnings also helped me appreciate the small things in life. You know what I mean? Like, I really am real rooted in, you know, a place of arroz con habichuela is like a plate of arroz con habichuela it's is tough. like the best. And like, I don't need much more than that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm good with that. Um, and so I, I feel very fortunate for that. That's very cool. That's very cool. I'm glad you mentioned the arroz con habichuela. For a long time, a lot of people didn't know arroz con habichuela. Well, at least in the West Coast, mm-hmm. California, it's very, it's like little Mexico, yeah. right? Or little Central America. But arroz con habichuela, I remember hearing a Gente de zona mm-hmm. hearing arrocona habichuela. So there you go, me Google dictionary and todo. No, pues arroz con frijoles, but that's yes, definitely, but you, you know, that's we have bread frijoles. And butter. We have frijoles, but we call yeah. them, those are the black eyed peas. Like we call those. Yeah, oh, yeah. There we go. There's a little bit of the differences. I love that. It's 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 the similarities mm-hmm. and but culturally 
really bring this together, but that's beautiful. The way you grew up, the humble beginnings yeah. makes it so important to kind of keep you thriving. Yeah. So like, what inspired you to get into finance? I mean, you have this, your parents being highly educated, just not the money aspect. Yeah. What was, what did little Anna say? Like, you know what? I'm going to push to get my MBA, go into finance, become a CFP. Like where, you know, what was your journey? Where did you attend school? Give us all that juice. Yeah, sure. So I stayed in New York. I went to NYU for college because um, I didn't want to leave, leave far from home. Um, my husband always jokes that he dragged me out of New York kicking and screaming, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I stayed in New York and actually I really thought I was going to do like nonprofit work because I always had a heart to like want to help people. Right. And I graduated college in 2009, which was not like the best job market, as I'm sure you guys remember. So I just kind of took whatever job I could get. Right. And because I'm a Latina, because I speak Spanish fluently, I ended up working with a company that was doing like business events in Latin America for people that wanted to invest in Latin America. And I did organize an event around wealth management and financial planning for people in Latin America, because that is a real big industry or it used to be a real big industry there. And so I just discovered, I was like, this sounds like something I could do because I like math. I was always really good at math and I liked talking to people. I like helping people. So it kind of married all of those things together. And so I got a job about a year and a half out of college doing that and then I've been doing it ever since. I worked in the industry for about five years before I got my CFP but I always knew that like financial planning was really the route I wanted to go because I felt like it was just more people-centered and I felt like it was less like investment strategy and economics which I still like and I think is cool but I didn't want to sit and like look at spreadsheets all day and not have any human interaction. So that, that's why I went with the financial planning. <laughs> You're like, it's not going to work, man. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, I love my spreadsheets, but I can't, I'm not one of those people that doesn't like to talk to people. I get my energy from talking to people. So I knew I always wanted that to be a big part of like whatever I was doing day to day. So for many of us that uh, don't understand that CFP process, I mean, I personally don't know many Latina CFPs or just um, like four women in general. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I know them all. Here you go. There's, there's a contact information <laughs> but see that's your, there you go your network right yeah. so what is what is a process to become a cfp i know i had looked and done a little bit of research but it seems like it, there's a, a lot that goes into it so can you guide us to what like if anyone out there is interested like what is that process to become a cfp yeah so it is pretty rigorous it is pretty intense it used to be really rough i i think i came in after they eased the restrictions just slightly but basically you have to have three years worth of experience in a financial um really client facing role right um something that is involved in advising clients you also have to have either like a degree in financial planning so a lot of undergraduate like colleges will have financial planning degrees so you either have to have that or you have education credits that you take. So I spent a year taking classes online on, you know, insurance and budgeting and risk management, portfolio management, tax planning, estate planning, all of that stuff. And um, at the end of that, you sit for an exam, which my exam, I think it was like five hours. I don't remember. It's been a couple of years now, but it's like a long exam. And yeah. you sit for the exam that you pass it. And then after that, you have continuing education that you have to maintain as well. So I have to do 24 hours of continuing education every year to be able to renew that and keep my CFP um, certification current. 
Well, that's important because if you're going to be advising on investments and doing this and teaching people how to take care of their money and grow their money, right, grow their wealth, mm -hmm. you're going to need to constantly stay on track. Like totally. I, we were having a conversation yesterday about labor and law. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had taken some courses up for the uh, human resources test. Mm -hmm. And I, I was just telling my husband and I was telling the girls, I'm like, it's so hard to pass those tests mm -hmm. because people are relying on you for this information, right? They count on you. So in your case, for example, financial planning, I want to be able to be like, as Veronica, be like, hey, Anna, I trust you with my, I trust you with the advice you're giving me. Mm -hmm. So you have to be on top of it you're like a doctor totally. you're a money doctor yeah. oh i like that <laughs> yeah that's my new marketing tagline <laughs> <laughs> she is our advertising guru yes retainer there you go girl. yes Come. yes you can get a retainer <laughs> <laughs> and um so um you know so you're the, our money doctor now and then what inspired you to you know you have this entrepreneurial spirit you have this willingness to want to work with people you want to level up latinas you want to level up women of color and it's so important so what guided you and inspired you to start dare to dream yeah um you know it was a very long road it's funny because i was looking at journals like a couple months ago like looking back at my old notes and like i was dreaming about this for years before i did it but really I just saw that the way the industry was operating was it was very, you know, it's very white. So the, the, the advisor community is very white. The clientele is overwhelmingly white. Like I remember one of the first times I actually saw a black couple walk in to the office and I was like, Oh my God, like, wow, <laughs> we're here. There's somebody. Thank here. you. Thank yeah, you. Like, I'm not the in. only person in the office that is black. Um, but anyway, so, so I just saw how the industry was very, focused and very homogenized because of the business model and what they were doing. And I knew that I really wanted to serve people like me, right? Because I know also, you know, there are so many of us Latinas and black people as well, that we are getting higher education. Like we're first, second generation, we're getting those degrees, we're getting good jobs, but we don't necessarily have the tools we need to build wealth and save and invest for our futures. And, and I really think that's to our detriment. Cause I mean, I can get on my soapbox for a second, but you know, this year and this administration has proven that these people don't mm -hmm. care about us. So we have to have our own money, have our coins together and be able to tell them like, you know what, we're going to do our own thing and we don't need you because <laughs> they clearly just are not about supporting us and helping us grow. And really they're, they're more about like punishing us and all of that. So I want like a whole army of us to be out here, like got our coins together. We don't have to deal with the government's BS, the, our, our husband's BS. We don't have to deal with the job's Ooh. BS, like none of that. I want us mm -hmm. all to have money. So I was like, okay, how can I do this? How can I contribute to this? And really the way for me was to start my own firm because I knew that the way the industry works, they were not going to support me working with people that might not necessarily have a large portfolio to invest. They might get there in 10 or 20 years, but they don't have that right now. And that's really the way that most people in the industry are compensated is based on what size portfolio you're managing. And so I just said, I want to do things my way. I also, I want to have ownership of what I'm doing. Um, I want to be able to create and take on the clients I want to and not have the pressure of like, oh, I have to meet my sales quota for this quarter or whatever. 
Um, so that that was really it. I can say that everything that you've said so far, like we definitely relate to, like from going back to feeling the financial anxiety growing up with your family. I definitely relate to that. My family was not very good with money, mm -hmm. um, living paycheck to paycheck and just overspending and using credit cards. Yeah. So I, I come from that. And then even going back to your arroz con habichuelas, when you mentioned that I got the chills, I was like, yes, arroz con frijoles for us, tortillitas, mm -hmm. like that's like we're set, right? Mm -hmm. So thank you for, for that. Now, as we're growing and learning more about finances within our own families, how can us as modern Latinas start building wealth? How, what, what advice would you give us? So the thing I would say is... I think we have as a community to make a shift, right? Because so many of us, whether we are have a good job or not, we're thinking like very short term. So we have to shift our mentality from like the paycheck, what I can I afford now to the long term, right? Building your net worth, building your investment portfolio. That's really the big mindset shift, I think. And, and in doing that, you really have to set it up where you are investing for your future. So you have your security blanket, right? You have your emergency fund. People always talk about it. I, I call it the, um, I don't have to deal with this shit fund. <laughs> like quiz. Right. I hope I can curse on this. But anyway. Yes, we sure can. Please girl. Do. Yeah, okay. sure can. So, like, I want everybody to have, every Latina to have their, I don't have to deal with this shit fund, right? You want to quit your job. You want to move to a new place. You want to leave a, a bad relationship, whatever it is. Like you just are ready for something new or you're just actively choosing to live whatever life that you want right and so i think we have to have that and then beyond that you need to be investing i think that is the biggest thing in our community that we are just not doing i see so many of my clients they're like oh i have like thirty thousand dollars in a savings in a checking account or i have fifty thousand dollars in a checking account i'm like why is there nothing invested like you need to be investing because that's working against yourselves so making sure that you're investing for retirement and then also just general wealth building, you know, like to have that flexibility. I want to do a renovation. So I have this backup reserve fund or I want to take a year off and I want to be able to like travel or just rest and do things that make me happy. The sooner you start doing that, the sooner you have that flexibility. Absolutely. One thing that I always remember from um, econ class in high school was start your 401k early. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I definitely have put into practice from like starting, you know, right out of college, like, okay, 401k. And that's there. It's sitting there. And, you know, it goes up and down depending on the economy. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I'm not very familiar still to this day, and it's scary is investing. Like, where do I, you know, where do I put the money? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I do that? Because we weren't taught that. Mm -hmm. And and it's scary just to think like, uh, you know, where, where is this money going or is this a smart move? What are some tips that you can give us to start investing, where to look and tips on achieving first generational wealth, like as part of empowering a Latina? Yeah. So I would say um, there are a lot of resources and it can be hard to know where to look. I would say there are a few places that I personally love. Um, there is a blog called Rich and Regular, which is very good. And, and in terms of Latinas that are really focused on investing, I think Delian Barros, she's amazing. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter too. Um, she's Delian the Money Coach. She's great. There's Janice Torres Rodriguez. She is Yo Quiero Dinero podcast. Sorry to direct people away, but like she's very focused on money too. And there is Nerd Wallet is also an amazing resource for people who want to learn about money. I think those are kind of my go-tos. And I think it's it's just getting the knowledge, but I also don't want people to get too caught up on 
the knowledge. Like, I think you need to understand what you're doing, but I think we can get caught in over analysis paralysis and then just never pull the trigger. And you're never going to feel like, you know, everything about investing because there's just too much to know. But if you do take some simple steps, like buying into ETF, buying into mutual funds, I think those are a good way to kind of get your feet wet, right? There are a lot of what we call robo advisors that are a good first step as well, that they're going to have low cost investments that are, you know, diversified. So that means they're invested in a lot of different ways. And you can kind of just put in like, how soon do you need this money? What is this money for? And it can give you an investment allocation that you can use for that specific goal. Right. So um, ones that I like are Betterment. Um, there's also Elevest. Um, there's Wealthfront. Those are good ones that are, um, like I said, low cost. They're not going to because the, the over the long term of your investment life, if the cost of the investments are too high, it's really going to eat into how much money you have. Right. Because it's just kind of cutting that off the top before you even get the money. So those are really good ways that you can get low cost, diversified investments. And they also have the benefit of investment research and articles and information on investing so that you can become more familiar and feel more confident in making those investment decisions yourself. So I think it's a great place to start. Also, if you want to set it and forget it, like that's an easy place to go because it's very hands off. Yeah, definitely. I like the fact that you mentioned that having, you know, a chunk of money and always having that in your savings and then you can make plans for taking a year off. I know Irene that did that and I, my family and I were able to live in Mexico last year for six months. Amazing. And why? Because we had that, we had that right, the budget for it. And I see that also as like another opportunity for wealth. Like mm -hmm. that's part of the wealth that we are creating Thank you. as first generation. And we had the opportunity to do that. I absolutely agree. I know you have your own podcast as well, and it's called First Gen Realness. Can you tell us a bit more about the topics that you cover there? Yeah. So that's like my passion, like fun project, right? And so really, I think, I think when people hear that I have a podcast, they assume it talks about money. And I do talk about money and like wealth building and investing too. But it really is just talking about issues related to being first generation, right? And my idea is just to have cool conversations with cool people. Most of my episodes are interviews, right? Like we're just dialoguing and talking about, you know, what it's like to be first generation, navigating, you know, creating a career and where you fit in the culture spectrum, how comfortable you feel in America, how comfortable you feel with your family from wherever they are relating to your parents, right? Because all of these things are very unique for those of us that, you know, our parents are immigrants, right? And so I think for me growing up, it was very hard for me to figure all that stuff out. Like I didn't really, I felt like not, not very Puerto Rican, not very Gambian, but I also felt not super American either. You know, like I, I was eating tostones every day when I got home from school, I was not having, which I am super grateful for. I'm not, I'm not going to complain, but like, that's what I was doing. And I wasn't, we weren't having 4th of July barbecues. Like we were, and if we did, it was like we were having lechon and arroz con gandules. Like that's what we were doing. And it was just very, it looked very different. It felt very different from what my white American peers and even my black American peers were doing, like my schoolmates or whatever. And so I just wanted to have that that forum to talk about that so that's really just what the podcast is i love that i really really love that our podcast is also our baby and our labor of love and that you've touched on so much today and it truly has resonated with all of us and we have different journeys but money for me my experience with it is that i actually had a very savvy 
mom who was raising us as a single parent and she was doing big things you know she was a homeowner and teaching herself english and how to drive and how to be self-employed and she was like this incredible 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 example and then i married into a family where they were an incredible family but they were not very good with money and so that's an interesting difference for me where i felt growing up i didn't understand money per se but i had a really good example and a mom that talked about you know the american dream and being a homeowner and saving and she was all about that i don't give a fuck fund or whatever we called yeah. it uh, i don't know i just changed the name i think but really going to curse on this one but she was it was funny because for her it's like every woman needs an exit plan and you don't have to count on anyone and hide your money miha and it's the cutest thing everybody in my family talks about her story of hiding money from your husband <laughs> i say all that to say that when i got married money was a huge 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 problem in my marriage mm -hmm. it was an absolute huge deal breaker to the point of i almost got divorced early on in my marriage because we saw money differently we were raised to feel different about money we handled money differently and while both of us had good intentions we kind of wanted to repeat the patterns of our parents mm -hmm. and neither one was right because by the way i wanted to rush into buying a home for instance, because that's what my mom had done and that's what she had taught. My husband was much more free-flowing with money and money comes and you don't have to hoard it and spend it and it's okay and irresponsible, I would say, with money. So we struggled a lot and I share that on the podcast today because people are going to come from a different lens, whether they grew up in it, whether they marry into it, whether it's all about them just feeling frustrated. We all have a different sort of experience around money and it can get better because like Ceci just said, I got an opportunity to travel. So obviously, we learned the hard way. We made a ton of mistakes. We had to hunker down. We had to learn these things, whether I wanted to learn them or not. And we had to put them into practice. So for all of our listeners, my tip of the day, we always like to trickle in a tip of the day is that no matter where you are, you can start to be good with money. You might be in a marriage right now that's incompatible with money. And that just gave us great tips to start small, to listen to the fun podcast. She's got this incredible podcast. Listen with your partner, listen on your own, listen with your friends, listen with your parents who maybe you're trying to influence to maybe make different financial decisions. Health is wealth and building wealth and not building wealth has a big impact on your health. So on that note, I want to spin over to something a little more positive because we're coming up into the holidays and that's where we either make things harder or make things easier for ourselves. So it's when we want to spend a lot of money, but how can we survive the holidays and not overdo it, overspend, and then look back and feel like we are now set back? I think that is huge. And Christmas is like a three-week affair. It's not like a day. <laughs> yes. Yes, um, yes, yes. So I think, I think the biggest thing with anything related to your finances is to make the decision beforehand. So there's two things, actually. To make the decision beforehand on what you're going to do. And that, and like, if you are, if Christmas is super important to you and the holidays are super important to you, like go all out. I am all for living whatever kind of life you want to live, but you have to do it with your eyes open. I think our problem is we get into trouble when we just go into it and like, oh, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And without thinking beforehand, okay, what does this mean for my overall financial picture? And so for me, I think the biggest thing what I teach my clients is, is really to pay yourself first, right? Formula I teach people is income minus savings equals expenses. And actually somebody was just telling me this and I feel like I'm going to change it. She says income minus spend later equals spend now, right? So you're thinking about, okay, like I am going to decide how much I need to save for my certain goals, right? Whether that be retirement, whether that be, I want to buy a bigger house in a couple years, whether that be, I want to take a really cool vacation in two or three years or I want to send my kids to college and I want to pay for that. Whatever it is, you do those things first. You cut that off 
first and then you spend what it is that you want to later right and so i think if you're going to follow that basic formula and it's 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 a budgeting way but it's kind of easier right like it's not like oh you have to count every penny doing that then you know when you get to the end of the year you spend your money as as you want to you know you have that extra bud wiggle room now and you can spend as you want that's one thing. Or if you want to be a little bit more forethinking and like detail oriented about it, I think at the beginning of every year or at least halfway through the year, you make a decision. Okay, we're going to spend $2,000 on Christmas, right? And that includes everything. That includes gifts. That includes the big dinner with family, the tree, you know, whatever it is. Or we need to travel to go see family, whatever that is. You decide you want to do that. And then from there, you're putting a little bit every every month aside for that, right? So like I'm going to put $200 aside the whole year and then at the end of the year that means I have my money available to me. By November I've got everything ready for me. Whatever that is. If you if you start to do things like that in in advance and thinking it through in advance and it's not really to be restrictive or feel like painful. It's really just a plan, right? Like you don't get in your car and be like, I got to get somewhere and I don't know how to get there. And I'm not going to look at the GPS. You look at the GPS. Like you just know where you're going, where you have to be, how long it's going to take you to get there. You have to have that plan and that roadmap. Otherwise you just end up like anywhere. And then that's you're not- like, Jesus, Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah, exactly. And no, <laughs> I'll get this somewhere. You're winging it. Yeah, exactly. You're winging it. And it's about to be a big old crash and burn. No, I love that. You can't do it without a plan. You can do what works for you. For some people, it's you set a dollar amount and you get there. Other people, it's baby steps as the year is going on. But for it to just spring on you would be crazy. We know the holidays are coming. And we also know that the savings part is is critical. We can't spend our savings on Christmas. That's not an emergency fund. Christmas is not an emergency no. fund. And I'm sure you've seen that. And I've got this like her hands <laughs> on her head. Like, yeah, I'm sure you've seen that yes. where we, we work hard all year and then we blow it at Christmas time. Speaking of which, I usually overdo it on my children. So I wanted to shift gears a little bit. And this question is sort of twofold. We want to get to know you a little better. I know that you're a mom, mm. I think to three. I so am. tell us a little bit about your kiddos and how do you teach them about money? How soon can we start? Mm-hmm. What's that dynamic with your children and money and just overall you and your life and your, your work-life balance with you're having your three kiddos in your own gig? Yeah, um, I do. I have three little girls um, and they're like the sweetest, craziest little people in the whole world. Uh, they're so much fun. So I have Sadia. She is almost seven. She'll be seven this month. And I have Sirita. Um, she introduces herself. My name is Sira Milagros. And she tells everybody she comes, my name is Sira Milagros. <laughs> and then I have Mary, who's uh, one and a half. And the three of them, I mean, obviously, you, you do age-appropriate discussions. But for Sadia, she's older now. And so what I've always done with her is... Like, you know, her grandparents give her money for her birthday or her titis or her uncles and aunties. Everybody gives her money. And so I will say, okay, you just got $20. So, and she doesn't really understand the mechanics of this, but but whenever she gets money for that, I would say, okay, you're going to give this $20 to mommy. Mommy is going to, we're going to put half of that into your college account. Like I tell her that's her account. So we have a 529 investment account set up for her college. We're going to put half of that in there and I will sit and like transfer, sit with her on my lap and transfer on the bank account, like on the website and say, okay, we are putting $20 in there from mommy's bank account because mommy's going to hold it for you. And then we'll go to Target and like buy something for yourself if you want to. And that way she feels free and like we could go buy some candy or a doll or whatever it is. And we do that every time she gets money so that she understands also that, you know, she has to pay herself first before anything else. And then also like, 
she also is different. Like she's a super generous kid. So like the general guidelines for talking to kids is like, okay, you have the spend, give, save bucket. Right. But she's the type of kid that she will give anybody anything. Like, like we drive on the street. Like we saw just the other day, there was somebody asking for money when we were in the car, like stopped at a stoplight. And she was like, mommy, I have my tooth fairy money. Like I'll just give him that. I'll give him all of that. And I was like, mama, like, oh my God, she's the sweetest little thing. So I feel like I, I don't emphasize that as much. I'm like, you have to take care of yourself and make sure that you have what you need. And yes, it's good to give to other people. Like that's super important. And that's something that we do as a family a lot. But like, I want her to understand that. And for Sita, she's a little little. I'm like, okay, she's not as generous. <laughs> she, she's not as generous. She's like, no, I'm gonna get mine. She is the boss of the household. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as they say. Um, anyway, <laughs> so she's for her, I'm like, okay, we need to share and we need to make sure that we are giving to other people. And like, yes, we're going to go get your candy from the store, but like, we also need to maybe use some candy and buy for other people too. And like do those kind of things. Um, but the one thing I really, I'm very conscious of that I want to break. And I think because my husband also like, he's, he's a first generation American too. And like his family's background is super poor as well. You know, we want to make sure that we don't have that like scarcity anxiety in the household. So like, I don't ever want to tell her like, oh, there's not enough money for that. Or there's not like, I'll say, okay, we're choosing to buy something else. Right. So like, we're not going to go buy a new computer we're going to, we're choosing to say, okay, we're going to get to go to the amusement park or we're going to get to go visit our cousins. Cause we're going to spend that on, tr on plane tickets to go visit our cousins and, and hang out. And like, it's more of a trade-off and a decision-making so that she understands it's not that there's not enough is that you are choosing to actively choosing to spend it on something else. So that that's the money story in terms of work-life balance, girl, it's just, it's just a mess. I'm up at all hours, <laughs> especially in this COVID. Love the honesty. Love Girl, it. Girl, it is, it is just a hot mess. There's a lot of negotiation with my husband too. Like, okay. And especially cause we're all home. Like normally when the kids are at school or at, at preschool, like that, that's a little bit different, but now it's very much like, okay, we have to take shifts and we have to, you know, prioritize each other's wealth in terms of our health. Like we're very big about exercising and taking care of ourselves. So like we need to prioritize that and also prioritize family time and the work. So it's really just a day by day, week by week thing, you know, and just realizing that some weeks I'm going to be more in mom mode. Like if, if my husband has a lot of stuff going on at work or he has deadlines and stuff like, okay, we're focused. He needs to do that. And then maybe he needs a little bit extra rest because he's stressed out. I'm going to be more on the mom mode and then vice versa. There are sometimes when um, I really need to be leaning into work and he's just doing more of the, the childcare. And it's really just, like I said, moment to moment. It's fluid. I like that. I love that honest approach. And it sounds like you are go, go, go. And it works for you. And that works for some people, you know, the adrenaline and the movement and the constantly having to work through what's going on and being flexible. I really appreciated that message. I know that for some people to hear balance and it's like a scary word because it's like, does it even exist? Yeah. Or we think everybody has it. Like that's bullshit. Yeah. What is it? What yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah. 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 That's kind of BS. And some people are like, most people actually describe what you just said. It's not balance. It's just kind of swinging from priority mm -hmm. to priority and what's important to you and 
And that's important. My husband had this analogy about like this glass ball and these plastic balls. And sometimes you're kind of juggling a lot of balls. And if a glass ball breaks, that's a big deal. Like, oh, I dropped a big priority. But if little plastic balls fall here and there and you forgot something you were late, like that's a plastic ball. Mm -hmm. We can survive that. Mm -hmm. So it's that. always a matter of understanding kind of what you're juggling, what works. I like to juggle a lot, but half the time it's things that are good for my mental health so that I'm not stressed. Mm -hmm. Like it looks like she's go, go, go doing a lot. I'm okay. Yeah. That works for yeah. me. Like you don't got to worry about me. I do well in that state. Mm -hmm. um, other people need rest, mm -hmm. need sleep, mm -hmm. need other things, right? So we're all very different. So knowing yourself is key. And speaking of knowing yourself, we love to ask this question of all of our guests. So it's coming to you. We always wonder what our guests would tell themselves at 25 years old. So now knowing what you know and being where you are, mm -hmm. what would you say to your 25 year old self? I would say a few things. I would say, you know, you're doing a good job mm -hmm. and like you're 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 not too late you're not you're not behind the ball um because i think i had a lot of feelings like i wasn't doing enough and i still do that and i and i catch myself now because i have that awareness but at 25 i was very much like i gotta hurry like i think yeah at 25 i was pregnant with sadia working full-time and in grad school at the same time so like that <laughs> i was i was a mess Wow. Girl, Sorry, I'm I just tired. had to. I'm like, girl, no. <laughs> I was Great work. No, no excuses. No. I way. No, I go hard. That's that Latina work ethic. Like my mom was a beast and I and I got that from her. Um Yes. Yes. Yeah, funny, funny would like she she was just incredible. Like she worked two jobs most of my life and would still like cook and still was like very attentive to me, help me with my homework and stuff. Like I don't know how she did it, but um Anyway, uh, shout out to the, shout out to all the moms out there. But I would say, I would say like, it's okay. Like you're going to get there and you know, you have to, there's a time for everything. Right. Um, I think that's, that's really what I would tell myself because I spent a lot of time fretting over, like I haven't achieved what I wanted to in my career yet. I haven't gotten the job I wanted to, I haven't reached those financial milestones I wanted to. And really I was just, I was doing my own head in when I was doing all of the right things. You know what I mean? Like I was saving, I was investing and from a financial standpoint. I was really, you know, I had a good marriage. I still have a good marriage, but like I had a good relationship with my husband. We were really prioritizing our future and making sure that like we were pursuing education and um, doing good things for our health, like, you know, exercise and eating well. Like we were, we were balanced, but it just felt like we hadn't arrived yet. And I think that as you get older, you see that um, there's n rushing doesn't help and, and wishing you were getting somewhere faster also doesn't help. Amen to that. So there's time within reason. Mm -hmm. There's time within reason. Mm -hmm. You know, we, I look back at my 25 year old self and that's when I was probably gearing up to make really bad financial decisions actually. So for those that are listening and are at this point in your life, don't ruin your credit in your 20s like a lot of us may do right out of college Girl. trying to keep up trying to use credit cards learn about that there are so many mistakes that we make in those years yes. and i really do hope that women listening to this understand that because it feels like you have all this time and there's no rush like that doesn't mean also make make you know irresponsible not wise decisions so i really hope that women take that from this that we've kind of made the mistakes for them and you've gotten all this education and you've gotten all this under your belt and you're so prepared to be here as a source mm -hmm. so women you're listening please continue to take this advice and run with it well when ceci and i were having the conversation and digging into you know how do you guide us and how do we build wealth i was starting to think about how you know we all came from humble beginnings mm -hmm. a lot of us and when like you you mentioned your husband anna you know, poor, you know, poor family background as well. And 
I think as being first generation, my, my parents came here from Mexico. They were trying to build their wealth as well. But just thinking about like all the people that I know, my relatives, my uncles, you know, my tios, my tias, cousins. And, and just as, as I think about it, a lot of them didn't have those jobs that provided a 401k mm-hmm. and that didn't give them the opportunity to put that little bit of money aside. And, the, you know, all those extra little benefits that we look into right now when we when we go and apply for a job. But we look for these benefits like what what am I going to get in return for my for my mm-hmm. work? So what would you recommend for them, you know, for these people that they want to, they're thinking about their futures, they're obviously working hard and mm-hmm. they're the ones that you see have all the, a lot of results because they're just so determined mm-hmm. to to reach that dream, but what, they're actually daring to dream, right? Mm-hmm. So they're working and working and working. So what do you recommend to them that don't have access to the, the benefits these jobs have for them to start doing the, the little things to help them for their future? Yeah. That is super important. I think the biggest thing is going to be setting up. So you can, anybody can set up a traditional or a Roth IRA, depending on your tax bracket. I think my advice to anybody is they need to be saving for retirement. Cause the thing is you always put it off, you put it off, you put it off. And then 10 years go by and you haven't put anything aside. It's just, it's a problem. So the sooner you get into the habit of doing that, the better it is for your long-term financial health. So I would say look into an IRA. You can open them up anywhere. Um, I would say places like Fidelity or Vanguard or some of the robo advisors I mentioned earlier are good places to go. Um, you know, you don't want to do like a bank or a credit union one cause those are really just cash even though it's better than nothing, but it's just cash, right? So making sure that you have those funds invested are going to be, um, is, is, is super important for, for your long-term financial health. And I think, you know, that's the thing about us as Latinos, we work hard, man. Like we work hard and we don't, we have our money sitting there or like we put it in our house, which those are important things, but we don't invest. And the problem is, is that like, we have we have really a lot of things working against us. We have the wage gap, right? So we're earning less, and we are. Um, so that means our money has to work harder for us, and so we have to obviously be strategic. And I think we're good about pinching pennies and all of that, but we're not good about that long term wealth building. Aside from building a business, um, starting a business or something like that, which is amazing and super important for building wealth, I think. But it's it's not that easy. It's a higher bar, but the, you know, you could do $20 a month or $50 a month. And I think most people can afford that much, right? Put it aside and, and invest for your future. And it really adds up over time. Yeah. So if these comadres and our tias and our moms can do the cundinas, they could do the $20 aside to save. (laughs) Exactly. If they could stick it in the safety deposit bank at the box, which is like 1952, like they can stick it somewhere. Exactly. It's not going to work. That's how my titi was. She had a little, her little box on her bed with her cash, you know, like that doesn't work. My mom had all these strategies, but I don't knock her because she did these really great things, but she was doing her thing and it was like money here, money there, money everywhere. Mm -hmm. But she was like hiding that money. (laughs) Um, I love this. I love this. I love this. I also, before we go, I just want to say, because this is replugging what you're doing, Dare to Dream. I love the name of that. I think you can't forget that Dare to Dream, like Dare to Dream that you could have it all. Mm -hmm. And First Gen Realness, that's the podcast. That's where folks can find you. What a great title. 
first gen realness. So what else do we need to know about finding you? Because I know our listeners are going to want to learn more. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. So I mostly hang out in terms of socials. I mostly hang out on Instagram and Twitter. So you can find me there the same as A-N-J-I-E-K-O-N-T-E. Um, and also my podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the major places, Stitcher. Um, and yeah, I also have a blog. I haven't been blogging much lately because your girl's been busy, but um, I have a blog that I talk about financial issues too. Um, it's just dare to dream planning.com forward slash blog. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much again for being here with us today. This was a really good episode and we are always wanting to talk about money, how to be smart with money, how to take care and value money in all the best ways. So you've definitely done that for us today, Anna. Uh, we appreciate you and we hope to have you back and we hope that listeners will share additional questions with us either on Facebook or Instagram at Level Up Latina is our handle. As you know, loyal listeners, or for those that are new to us, you can email us questions for Anna, questions for us in about either one of our respective businesses our emails admin at leveluplatina.com and also always remember to subscribe to get our newsletter subscribe to everything that we're putting out so that you can hear more of the juicy stuff that comes first and same with anna i'm sure there's a way to follow her blog and there's a way to follow her podcast so do that for both of us and if you really like what you heard today if you want to quote one of us please do share this on your instagram story take a little snapshot of it hey we're going to plug us and promote this because honestly one of my favorite things that we do is counsel women on money as Latinos, we can't say it enough, as Latinas, as mujeres, money is a sticky subject and it needs to stop and we need to get better. We need to be okay with it. We need to talk about, you know, raising that bar. You brought up the wage gap. We didn't even get into it, right? But we know it's there. And you said we have to work harder and that's not fair. So let's start working smarter. And these are the ways we do that. So thank you for being here. Don't forget to look up Anna at Dare to Dream, First Gen Realness, and wherever you can find her on social media. She gave us her handles. Thank you so much. Thank this is awesome. This was thank awesome. You. Thank you, ladies. Muchas gracias. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.